Hello, and welcome back to Looking for the Ocean, where we talk about everything Pixar has ever made and what it means to us. I'm Denny Vincent, and as, all, as always, I'm joined by Mark Young. And today, we're doing a detour, question mark, episode? Because we're covering a Pixar short and a non-Pixar short in the same episode. Whoa! Whoa! A groundbreaker for us! Not really, we've done it before. Oh, okay. Really? We did It's Tough to Be a Bug with Leonardo. I looked it up. Oh. It's Tough to Be a Bug. I know it's a ride, but it's a short, you know? All right. Oh, that's what I wanted to add to the doc. Did you see that on Disney Plus's page? What? I'm not, I'm not on Disney Plus's page. I'm not checking their socials. Well, I meant when you watch. I assumed you watched Sanjay's Super Team there. Yeah, yeah. What are you talking about? There is a new... Uh... National Geographic show coming out called A Real Bug's Life, which is obviously a detour we'll cover because it's outright like has the Bug's Life logo on it. And I watched the trailer and the trailer's like inspired by Disney Pixar's A Bug's Life. So, so it, I'm adding that to our long list. Is it animated or is it like. No, it's a documentary oh. about bugs. Oh, well, that's. But okay. It's being marketed with the Bug's Life branding. And the marketing mentions it's inspired by a bug's life. Hey, kids, so, you liked this movie. What if they were real? What if... And I want you to guess the celebrity who is the narrator of this show. Uh, because we'll have to put them in the uh, picture. And also... Bill Hader. I will give... Well, then I was going to give you is that they're not in a bug's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But it's not Bill Hader. Okay. Mark Hamill? No. It's probably a bit too big. Um... <laughs> Mark Hamill's probably too small for this. What? It's a much bigger actor in the general. If you were advertising narrated by Mark Hamill, it would not get people excited. No, not Morgan Freeman. Tom Cruise? Alright, All right. time to give you now a I'm hint a little confused. that it is not a man. It's not a male. It is a she. Um, uh, Daisy Ridley. That's closer in age. <clears throat> Than the people you've been guessing. Ariana DeBose. No. F- uh, Florence Pugh. All right, you're not gonna get Am it. I, well, okay. You know what I was thinking is sometimes when we do these games, I think I'm frustrated because I never get anywhere. What if you? I'm gonna. I'm stealing this from another thing I listen to. But what if you give me like a hot and cold? If I'm like closer or not okay. closer. Okay. All right, so we're starting with Daisy Ridley is that's hotter than Tom Cruise. Okay, okay. Daisy Ridley, um, Anne Hathaway. Colder. Colder. You had to think about that. That's interesting. Um, let me think. And, I, and now that I'm doing the game my way, I've, I've run out of women. <laughs> <laughs> um... Is oh the British woman Emily Blunt colder still than Daisy Ridley? Jenna Ortega warmer. Ao Edebiri warmer. Hmm. Um. Is oh man. Uh, now I'm. I don't really know the cast of Bottoms. Is it? Uh, is it uh, I don't know her first name. Oh, Rachel Sennett? Colder. Okay. 
Uh, <laughs> well, now I'm kind of like, I'm not sure I'm going to know this person. Is it like... Wh- this person is a someone I would be shocked if you did not know their name. Okay. Uh, eh, oh, L. Fanning. That is colder, colder than AOA Debiri. Hmm. Okay. Um. Hmm. Maybe you shouldn't put them in the episode image because then everyone will know the answer and they'll just be listening oh, to yeah. this. Oh, <laughs> like, like wow. <laughs> like, well, well, I actually here's my. That's kind of a thing. I was thinking it's it's fun to do hot and cold when you know the answer, you know. Um. But I'm I'm kind of out of women. Okay, I'm gonna have to call it. All right, no, no, no. I'm gonna give you one more hint because you didn't say someone else from earlier, which would have also got you a warmer in a different direction with Ariana DeBose. Uh, Ariana Grande. All right, here's here's how I'm gonna give you the hints on what what made them warmer. <laughs> Ao Debiri, you got to. Who did you say before Ao Debiri? Jenna Ortega. Jenna Ortega is a woman of color. Mm-hmm. Ao Debiri is more famous for comedy. Even though the bear is not really comedy. She's more famous for comedy. Mm-hmm. Ariane DeBose starred in a Disney animated film. Not a Pixar film, a Disney animated film. So those are your three hints. It's a woman of color, mainly known as being a comedian, starred in a Disney animated film. Ooh. Ooh. Although I would say also, it's one of those forgotten <laughs> Disney animated films that were recent because there's a little something called COVID-19. <laughs> okay. Oh, um, oh, is, uh, well, why can't I remember her name? Like, obviously, uh, the, uh, Ghostbusters 2016, why, why can't I remember her name? She's probably, like, I will say this. Too old. Any of the four Ghostbusters you guessed from Ghostbusters 2016 is a colder answer than the other three women you said. Okay, okay. I figure. Well, I don't know. I don't remember her name. She's very well known. Why don't you? Why don't you? Talking about Leslie, Leslie Jones. Jones. Okay, thank you. Because she's the only woman of color. In well, that's Ghostbusters. what I was, I was like. Here now, I feel uh, like now I'm like on the All spot right. forgetting everything. Do you want me to give you a hint that reveals it? Well, I don't know the woman who played the Manticore. She's in also. If I'll give you another hint. This is gonna be the last hint I give you before the hint that reveals it. Not only is she in a Disney animated film. But she was also a Marvel love interest. An MCU love interest. Mm, is she the woman in the Marvels? There are no love interests in the Marvels. That's why it bombed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have no idea. Are there, no, are there women of you... color love interests in Marvel? If it's a woman of color hero, uh, let's be very blunt about it. Um, now, what if I told you, Mark, mm. that I need to go get my water bottle from the vending machine? Okay, water bottle, Stanley, um, thirst, uh, dr- what drinking. What brand of water bottle am I going to get from the vending machine? Dasani. <laughs> Um, Dasani, Poland. Are you purposely Poland, not guessing the person? Poland Spring. No, I don't know. I'm trying. To. You're purposely not guessing the person. I don't. Keep going through water bottle brands. I'm not. Yeah, I know, dude. I thought that was what you were trying to get me to do, but I don't know. The I person. am, but you haven't got it. Okay. There's one person whose name is a water bottle brand. Okay. Uh, a pure life, uh, Crasdale. Um. <laughs> 
Uh, if, if <laughs> Evian, Evian. This is gonna be as infuriating to everyone listening as it is to me. Smart water. Um, you keep guessing every water bottle right except the most famous one. What? Uh, Aquafina. Ah, oh, Aquafina. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh! Here's the thing that will reveal it. Let me name every water bottle brand before I give the right answer. Who is the only celebrity whose name is a water bottle brand? Anyway, she's hosting the Bugs Life Show. That's not what this episode's about. Okay, great. <laughs> um. Well, that's wonderful. Name a water bottle brand. It's like name a woman. It's like name a water bottle. Name any. <laughs> um. Well, anyway. We're is is that the news that you wanted to give us? That's the update for today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I get. I just forgot to add it to the, the our master document. I just did. Oh, okay. But no, we're talking about Sanjay Super Team and borrowed time. Sanjay's. Let's super start with team. Sanjay Super Team. I feel feel like we did our intros enough with that little game because mm. it drove me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, all right. Um. So, Sanjay's super team. It's about a boy who's... Shows him from the good dino. Yes. And it was made... Um, well, I mean, you, you probably have some info in front of you if you want to just talk about it. Um, Yeah, premiered at Anarchy, which is the Billig Film Fest. So, it really actually premiered around the same time Inside Out did, like in theaters. Why is Mark laughing? Probably because he's I'm trying just, to think of water. I'm, just, I'm coming down now. <clears throat> um... It um, was just, it's, um, let me open the production, see if there's any insight here. Sanjay Patel, Pixar animator. Um, I don't know what he's most famous for besides this. Let's see if he has any credits. Uh, worked on animator, Monsters Inc. Ratatouille Cars, Monsters U, Toy Story 2. So he's been in the company since 1999. Um, started jobs and, no, he's been, the, he was on A Bug's Life also. Um, after this, he worked on Incredibles 2. And then left the company to basically write books, which we have some of his books eventually on our document if we want to cover books again. Mm, okay, great. But his are like children's books, mm-hmm. so like picture books, which I feel like would be more interesting to talk about. Yeah. Um, okay. It's very clearly like a work of autofiction, autobiograph, whatever you want to call it, because the movie ends with photos of him and his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it's meant to be like about the uh, Indian American, uh, what do you call it? I always mispronounce this word. Experience? No, what is Black Panther about? Diaspora. Yes, that's the word I always like to send this out. Yeah, it's a movie about the Indian American diaspora. Uh, and yeah, it's just about a kid who wants to watch his cartoons while his dad is trying to meditate. Yeah. And then the so, kid has a daydream about the, um, the Hindu gods fighting a demon. And then he draws them in his notebook, and then he shares the notebook with his dad, and his dad's like, oh. And that's, like, the nice ending for the short. I I really, you know, I liked this short. I like that it's about something that is true, but in the end, I just kind of felt like, yeah, I get it. It didn't, it's, it's funny, it's funny because this is totally about something true, and I compare it to something like bow which is also a 
true story, but Bao is so much more moving, you know? Well, I have thoughts on this that have nothing to do with the short. Okay. Um, and let me tell you where I got these thoughts from. And then eventually we'll talk about the short, but this is about the conversation around the short. Which I don't really remember other than people going like, wow, this is amazing. Which I feel like was kind of comparative because Lava came out that year. So, because compared to Lava, yes, this is an amazing short. Mm-hmm. As a short on its own, I think it's fine. But I decided, because I normally, because um, uh, I got my letterbox in like November 2015. And usually when I re-watch the movies for the podcast and I have a review, like, for example, Ratatouille. For some reason, I never had logged Ratatouille on Letterboxd. So I was like, I don't want to just put up a link to the episode. I'd like to write a review of Ratatouille in addition to talking on the show about it. Because people aren't necessarily going to listen to the show. Um, so I'd rather have my thoughts on Ratatouille written out. So I'm like, mm-hmm. have I reviewed Sanjay Super Team? Because I know I'd seen The Good Dinosaur. And I had a review up for The Good Dinosaur. But I didn't know if I was writing reviews for shorts back then. And I pull it up and I just see 2 out of 5, overrated. That's the whole review. And I immediately just feel kind of embarrassed. Because I'm like, that feels very dismissive of what this is. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I do think it, it, I, I think it is overrated in the sense that everyone was like saying it was an incredible short. I think it's a good short. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just listing overrated two stars out of five is really gross of past me. And it got me thinking how we're going to discuss this on the show. Because I'm watching this, I'm like... I don't know the Hindu gods. I don't know anything about these characters being shown. But I'm like, I don't think the answer was one. I Obviously, I'm watching this like 20 minutes ago, so there's no way we can book a guess. But I think back to, I always talk about this episode of a show. I don't know if I talk about it on mic, but I talk about when we're booking guests. There's this show, It's kind of, I've read it like listed in articles like, greatest podcast episodes ever. There's a show called, now it's just called Get Played, but in this episode it's called How Did This Get Played? And it was like a bad video game podcast. And they invited on a Native American to talk about Custer's Last Scan Stand. I actually recommend everyone listen to this episode if they want to listen to a really good episode of podcasts because this is a really good episode. They invited a Native American on to talk about Custer's Last Scan, which is a Atari game where you were playing as General Custer and you got bonus points for being Native American women. Uh, and the episode of the show is like, whatever, like it's, it's a comedian. So initially they just talk about like where they are, like blah, blah. And then when I finally get to the subject of the game, he's like, why the fuck did you invite me on for this? I'm so offended that you're my friends and you thought that you would need my, my historic context to make it okay to joke about the stuff and talk about this stuff. And we've had conversations about this behind the scenes where I've cited this episode about concerns about like booking, say Coco or soul. And stuff like that, where it's like, where do we come as white people to address works like this? And Turning Red also in this way, too, I think we've discussed. And to be clear, Soul and Turning Red have not yet been booked. Coco has been. Um, we've had this conversation. And I, also, well, but... and I also think that if it's the person that I remember we talked about for Coco, we actually do have a good person for Coco. Yes, so. um, the person for Coco outright asked me. They, they are a Mexican-American, but they outright asked me when I said I have a Pixar podcast, can I come on for Coco? Yeah. Which I think is very different than like being like, please come on Coco, because you're a Mexican-American. Well, and I think... That, like, and that's how I feel like it would be for Sanjay Super Team. That's why I'm like, I feel weird about this anyway, because why would I want to invite anyone on for this to like, give me context when I should just do research instead of watching the short 20 minutes before and not knowing who these characters are. But I also don't think they're really relevant in a way, and which sounds bad. Maybe that's like, again white guy talking here i don't think it's relevant for me to know what each of the gods are i think the point is is that he's getting connected to his heritage but i'm a white dude so what the fuck do i know 
to be clear about the Coco guest, there is more. There is more to him uh, than being yes. Mexican American, which I, I kind of don't want to spoil. I actually think he's like I'm. I'm pretty excited about having him on. I'm very excited stuff. to have him as a guest. But um, anyway, uh, well. I don't I don't know why there was that big that big preamble to get us to the point where you're like I don't care about who these these people are because well, I no, actually that was what think I meant that to say was that like I felt guilty about my overrated thing so, but I'm also like I don't think this is something where I could ever invite someone on to talk about it because I'd feel awkward about it but I also don't have any context for the cultural stuff here. And I feel like this is what I was going to say because it came to my mind when you mentioned how you think Bao is great. I think Bao, even though it is about a specific culture, is also just about a mom not willing to let go of her kid. Which is like, that is universal in a way that this isn't. Which I feel sad because I feel like I don't... I, I feel like in a way, even giving like 3 out of 5, it's good, but I don't understand it. It's something where, is it my own inability of not being able to connect to this? I feel like a little guilty about that. Well, no, let me let me. It's a referendum on myself. <laughs> it's a. Let me let me break this down for you. And also, I think if we had someone who knew Hinduism really well, they would be able to point out things like, "Oh, it's interesting that these, you know, this is the representation of Hinduism that you pick, you know, because um, Sanjay Patel talks a little bit in like behind the scenes about like which gods he chose." And why, mm. like, why... I'm glad you did research. <laughs> well, I mean, it's... honest. Honestly, it's not crazy stuff. Like, the benefit of having someone on would be... Would, like, be to come on and say something like... Why is the, the boy blue and the girl's pink and the monkey's green? Like, what does that mean? Like, someone... You could bring someone on with, like, gender studies backgrounds to, like, get into stuff like that. Uh, and, I, and I do think it's interesting that it's, like... <clears throat> like a boy and his dad um whereas like in i don't know why we, we keep talking about bow just because i think that short is like a guaranteed tearjerker um com compared to this one and like a bow bow is about like a great many people but this is just about like a boy and his father um so there is like there's something about gender here i think um, I don't, I don't know exactly what that might be, but anyway, my, my experience watching this is that I think that it, it is, it is just not, uh, it's not a super compelling idea, even though it's relatable. And I actually do think it's relatable, but I just think that the way that the plot is laid out makes it kind of whatever, because if you were a Catholic and you, you know, not in one of the new churches that they've made, but one of the old churches, if you went to church in one of the old things with, like, lots of rock and statues around, like, it's definitely something that people did as young Catholic people is watch or imagine that, you know, the statues of saints come to life and, like, crawl around the ceiling and fight each other like that. I just think yeah. that there, there's this there's this connection that we make between the boy and his dad not getting along and the action scenes have nothing to do with that. You know? Yeah. And I have to assume, as you said, like, I have to assume, like, it's playing into who they actually are, but... 
I think this short, I feel like, will... Ex- and I think when we read his children's books, I imagine his children's books, from what I can tell, are also about Indian culture and Hindu culture. Um, I think it's something where it's like, I want to teach kids about who these people are, but since it's a silent short, we don't actually... If we have no context on who these people are, we don't get to learn. Um, but I also think... We're not the target audience for this. I think the target audience is Indian kids who go to Pixar movies and just see, like, no Indian characters. Mm -hmm. Or, like, kids who go to animated movies. I was actually looking this up, and I can't find any connection. Because I saw, oh, he's got started on The Simpsons, you know? I was like, is he in the trouble with Apu? He is not. I had assumed he might be if he made this short about Indian, how he, like, wanted to put good Indian representation in animation. But he isn't. But whatever, that's fine. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Because really, you know, I've never watched that doc, which is really funny. People like bring this up as citing. But it's like that doc, though, really gets into like the problem of Indian representation in animation and children's media, where it's like I think about the only Indian representation I remember from cartoon as a kid was Sanjay from The Fairly Odd Parents, which is like not really great representation either. It's just here's a kid with an Indian accent who goes to your school. Um, my main thought of it as a short film was not necessarily the action scenes that are unnecessary, which they are, but I like the art style. I think it looks better than the real world stuff. I I, I, I don't want to compare too much to Bao, because I do think Bao, we, we agree, is a greater short. And the only reason we're... Really, I think we're comparing them because they are about, like, they're, parents yeah, they're about and their kids. child relationship. Not just because they're only POC, like, Pixar shorts. I feel like we need to put that on record. And if you don't think we need to put that on record, you can cut that interjection. No, I mean, I don't... It's If it's, you know... I, that's that's not why I feel like everyone's like, look, what's this is a parent-child short, and it's unlike the yeah, exactly. you know, like the volcano well, shit and the, bow, and the cloud. Well, and all wait, that. wait, wait, let me make the point then. Now that I put that disclaimer out there, because I'm worried how we're gonna be construed. Bow is a short from the mother's perspective, where the catharsis comes from the son doing something at the end, right? Mm-hmm. This is about from the son's perspective at the end. He walks away from dad to watch TV. Dad looks sad, but then dad is shown like he drew the gods in his notebook. And that's the ending. I feel like the ending needs to give you more of the dad's reaction to the notebook other than, oh, that's nice, son. Because that's really the, like, I think you're supposed to get more out of it, but I don't personally get there. To me, my thought goes, dad's going to be annoyed that he, like, felt the need to contextualize the gods as superheroes. Um, well, I actually, which I know is not supported by the short, but that's just my personal experience with my own father that I'm bringing to it, where it's like, I mean, I don't think it really is that much of a thing, but if it was like, you know, if I go home and like, oh yeah, this God is like, um, this, like, this God is like, like, Jesus is like Superman, right? I think my father gets more annoyed than anything, like, than like, no, Jesus is just Jesus, right? Like, well, aren't you, um, aren't you evangelical? Um, I would say that even though we are labeled evangelical, my parents would not consider themselves but you're not, that, even if they are conservative. You're not Catholic, right? Like, you don't, you no, don't we're have not saints Catholic. and everything. So you, you, you no. really can play dolls with the saints, you know? You, you can mix and match with these guys. They are, there are a fucking thousand of them, and you can make them do whatever you want. And that's why all the, there are all these movies about Francis of Assisi and everything. No one gets mad about those, but people get mad when you make a movie about Jesus, and so that's what I'm like. I'm not. I'm not saying it's the same thing 
like I can't say that like this is how it is in Hinduism, but there's definitely a world in which you can like kind of play around with the representation of religious characters and people are kind of like think, fine with it, you know. I think regardless I need more from the dad at the end of the short. Well, but that's the other just thing is the notebook. I just I I get that, but I also I think that I really connect more with the outside the like the real world than you do. I really appreciated how stark everything was and I kind of like that we don't get this big melodramatic reaction from the dad at the end because like that that seems also real to me there it seems like I there's a need, lot like of... a hug or anything i would like like maybe he puts his hand on his shoulder and like leafs through the book that would also maybe maybe that would make it more cinematic just have him like draw multiple pictures and leaf through the book mm-hmm. and i would just feel something then because it's like oh then you're overwhelmed by like how much your son's effort put into this or something like where you can just read that into it rather than look, Dad. Here's my superheroes, but on top are the the, the gods, the Hindu, Hindu gods. I'm just like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll buy that because like, because I'm about to make the opposite argument about borrowed time, where I think it needs more. So I I, res, I respect. Oh well, that. I I have I have thoughts on. I think our borrowed time part is going to be interesting. I think that's a short a lot of people like. Uh, I I think borrowed time is not good. Um. I would agree, but we should probably wrap up Sanjay before we go on to because I think we're gonna have more to say about borrowed time. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot more to say about Sanjay. I think I really think that it's like. Uh, I like the pictures at the end. The pictures at the end make me more emotional than anything else in there. It's like, oh, here's his dad. That's nice. Um, and I mean, I would just I don't know. I recommend it because I don't know if we've talked about this, but there's a spark short. Have we talked about the spark short or there's another short where like the grandma likes wrestling? Or something like that. Uh, we haven't talked about that yet. That's called No No. Okay. But yeah, but we haven't got. So I yet. watched that a while back, but it's the same. I love it for the same reasons. It's uh, they're they're very similar actually. Um, but I love I love how drab the real world is, but it's clearly a place where people live. Like it's like you recognize this it's like place. Like Inside Out. Yeah. Well. I don't know, like, Inside Out, because, like, why do these rich people live in a shitty house? But, like, I, I just, I, I accept that, um, I don't know, just, like, if you're not some super, super inside out, rich I, I'm white curious person, if you know. Inside Out too, if the house is still going to be shitty. Will they fix it up in a couple years? <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll, have see. To, we'll have to do a special, special news update when that trailer drops. We get to actually see the, the middle of soul or <laughs> something. It's like everyone. <laughs> All right, so well, no, when we get to soul, the movie will have already been out. Oh well, I, I don't know what movie it would be during. Um, but um, I want to say one other thing, and this is kind of um, hint, hint, nudge, nudge to the listeners. We've already recorded next week's episode. Um, but a big thing we talk about with the good dino, which I think we can talk about without really spoiling the episode, I think it's something people know about The Good Dinosaur, is that it really appeals to little kids in a way a lot of Pixar movies don't, or at least it's attempting to. And I think, in that sense, Sanjay Super Team is, like, a very well-done companion short, because it also feels like it's aiming very young. But the difference is, I think, like, Sanjay Super Team is very much... It's encouraging encouraging that curiosity about different cultures. In a way that's... It's like, to me, and this is, like, me making it, like... <laughs> very white and European but it's like oh we have a bunch of children's books at school but then we have a mythology book where it's like look for the Greek gods 
That's what this kind of is. It's like before the good dino. Look, check out these Hindu gods. They're neat. You know, mm-hmm. and I I think that that in that in in that way this short is appealing and is successful. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that I feel like it's impossible to analyze as someone who first saw it when they were twenty years old. Mm-hmm. I'm cu- I'm curious if we talk to like someone who was ten when the good dinosaur came out and is now nineteen, what they would think about Sanjay Super Team if they would remember it. We got to do some experiments. Although, honestly, I think the good dinosaur is a little too young for a 10-year-old anyway. We got to do some experiments. Like, we know people with young children. We've just got to stick these in front of them. I don't know why you're not suggesting, like, you know, you have you have kids. You can do whatever you want with them. You know, in your, in your little school, your laboratory, you can just be like, hey, guys, uh, Disney Day, let's watch some shorts that I have uh, upcoming episodes well, about. Well, one, no, I can't. That's not, that's not allowed. Two, um... I have done that for some Disney shorts. We've talked about it before, I believe, in the Presto episode that I've shown Presto to these kids. Um, I know when we talk about Bao, we're gonna, I'll bring it up again. Mm. Uh, but I just wouldn't pick Sanjay Super Team because it's not really my thing. Uh. Now I might. Because I've seen Sanjay Super Team. I'm curious how it plays with kids. But, well, I've rewatched it. Now I'm curious how it plays with kids. But, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Borrowed time. Uh do All you, right. Do you have? Do you want to go first? Well, do you have the credit information? Directed by Andrew Coates and Lou Hamoun Hodge. All right, I'm. Scott, I'm not. We can't. We can't worked. let. We hold on. Hold on. Keep keep talking Thank about you. stuff, and I'm gonna get these guys' names. These guys both started at Pixar around 2008. Lou started with Wally. I'm checking if Andrew Coates started with Wally as well. No, actually, he didn't show up at Pixar till Cars 2, but he'd worked at Blue Sky before. Um, that's where he started was Blue Sky. He worked on Horton Here's a Who and Ice Age Short and then Ice Age 3 um, in Rio. But then after Rio, he moved to Pixar and worked on Cars 2. Mm-hmm. And was at Pixar through apparently Smash and Grab, where he worked as an animator on it, which is a Spark short. And then Lou... One has been at Pixar. He worked. He was is a character model in Lead On Onward. So I assume he might, he's probably working as a character modeler on like some other upcoming, maybe Elio or something like that. Because Onward was still pretty recent. That if you were a character modeling head, you might be working on something that's not out yet. Yeah, and these guys are Andrew Coates and I believe uh, Lou Hamu Lodge. So there you go. Cool. Thank you for <laughs> fixing the name. Cancel me. All right. So, this is when Pixar worked. They worked on something for something called Pixar's Co-op Program. This is like a precursor to Spark Shorts that has a lot less funding. Um, I don't think this would come out as a Spark Short, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of blood. My, my, my basic take on this is um. It, well, you know what? Actually, give your basic take first. So my basic take might be a little long. Uh, it reminds me of that that hard Bugs Bunny image. Uh, where he's like got a gun, and it's based off of Desperado. <laughs> I think it's something that's based off of Desperado. Desperado, like, why don't you come to? Oh, the things that I've done. Um, and actually, like I don't mind that. I think that it's a very pretty. I think that it looks very good, and I think that it has like a really terrible story, and that's about it. And I, I just, I just think that the story is is just not there if you if you think about it for a moment like 
So what's what's going on in this it, short? And it's wait, 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 wait. What? Why are you giving the plot before I gave my thoughts? Well, I just, I it occurred to me that we hadn't given the plot, but maybe we should do that before we it's give about, our it's thoughts. About, it's about a cowboy who wants to commit suicide because he accidentally killed his dad four years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So here are my okay, thoughts. Okay. Yeah. That's basically the, form the short of a story. <laughs> In the form of a story, which is that in 2018, I graduate college and I move to Chicago, where I quickly become a member of AMC Stubbs. And what's great about living in Chicago is we get every movie, something that's never been open to me before in my life, is having every op- an option to see basically every single movie that comes out. And with AMC A-List, of course, I do. Um, and one thing that's very exciting is that this year... In 2018, when the Oscar noms come out, I can go see the short films at AMC. And I go, awesome, let's go see the animated shorts and live action shorts. See the animated shorts, whatever, That's, they're not relevant to the story. I go to the live action shorts, and let me tell you what each of these are about. The first is a film called Mother, which is about someone, it's a one-take short film, where they get a phone call saying their child from their child on the beach saying someone creepy is walking up to them and trying to like lead them away. And the short ends with the, the phone dying and the mom breaks down crying. Actually, very good short. Uh, but very dark. Next one is the only one that isn't dark. It's called Marguerite. It's about old lesbians who fall in love. Nice. The one after that is called Fauve. It's about two kids who are playing around and having fun until one of them falls into concrete and dies of being buried alive by cement as they slowly sink into concrete. Hell yeah. I'm like, oh, no, not hell yeah, just depressing his shit. I'm like, okay, surely next one can't be bad. The next one is called Detainment, which is a, a true story about the mur- like two like nine, ten-year-olds who murder a like three-year-old kid. And it's taken from the court documents of it. And it's just disgusting. Uh, very disgusting short. Morally feels apprehensible. Reprehensible. Um, okay. okay. Then the final one, which ends up winning the Oscar, is called Skin. Skin is a short about neo-Nazis who their son like makes eye contact with an African-American man uh, holding, the t- holding a toy and like the supermarket like for his own son and when the neo-nazi dad sees this um he um follows the african-american man into the parking lot and beats him up frantic like in nearly like you know kills the like kills the guy okay whatever <laughs> short then i should be laughing is that the whole but short it's just like one no 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 you, you think, like, okay, so this is, like, going to end badly, or, like, the son is going to realize something here. No! A group of black men kidnap the neo-Nazi and dye his skin black with tattooing. And it's supposed to make you think. Oh, I heard about this. <laughs> uh, and then... Damn, what if, right? The neo-Nazi goes home to see his wife. The neo- neo-Nazi's wife shoots him because there's a black man in my house. And so at that point, I'm just, I've already just been like, I've checked out. And this wins. This, of course, wins. I'm like, I leave this short, and I go, the only one I'd vote for really is Marguerite. 
Maybe Mother, because Mother was well made. But yeah, that's sounds... everything else there was just dark, depressing, and stupid. And I'm watching Borrowed Time, and I go, of course this got nominated for an Oscar. It's so edgy. That's really my whole thought. Like, to, like, to spoil the short, which everyone listening to this podcast watches these shorts, I assume, the moment he shot his dad, I just started laughing. I was just like, of course. Because earlier on, I'm like, Oh, I see. This is like an edgy Pixar short because it's like about suicide ideation. It's about there's a gun and he's like showing off the gun into the West and that wouldn't be allowed in a short. Oh, no. It's literally a Chekhov's gun that we fire, killing him in the stupidest way imaginable. The most contrived way possible so he can feel guilt about it. Even though the father handed him the loaded gun to help him up. I'm just like... This is dumb. I can't. I can't deal with shit like this. Yeah. Immediately, immediate disengagement <laughs> with the entire story. As soon as that happens, I don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I immediately just completely, like, started laughing. And I found the entire short to be cosmically funny. Yeah. So his... The, so they're I don't even know what the fuck they're doing in this short because so yes this sheriff does walk to the edge of a cliff and um and he's he's like having flashbacks to when his dad died but when his dad died it's not really clear what's going on because they're on this wagon running away from somebody or they're driving away from somebody and he's like shooting over his back at whoever's whoever's pursuing them um, and they hit a rock, and then it, the wagon breaks, and then his dad goes over the lip of the cliff. And they get to recreate the Lion King for a bit, in a way. That's the whole thing, too. Is I, I, I had this thought... Well, no, I, I have a thought that I'm saving for the soul episode for my rewatch. But mm. it, it kind of reminded me of my thought when I watched Soul, but I'm still not going to say my thought from Soul. But it's like I feel like a lot of times you can tell something is bad... Because they think seem to think that you're gonna forget other things exist, and in this case, it's like we everyone has seen the Lion King. Why is this framed exactly like the Lion King? Surely you could have found a different way to do this mm-hmm. to not immediately evoke the Lion King. Because I don't think they're trying to evoke the Lion King, but it just happens naturally because of what is going on. Yeah, I also think the Lion King is more effective. Because even though Scar Obviously. puts, well, yeah, but like even though Scar puts the idea in his brain, there is that... there is this like logic to, oh well, if the dad tried to save me, then I'm responsible for his death. Like I think that's that's more that's more of like a real thing in the world is something that you'd be guilty about after the fact, and obviously you'd be you'd feel guilty if you like shot your dad, but that's kind of goofy. It's just like it's like. Oh, I feel so ki- guilty I killed my dad. I'm like, okay, I'm so I-, I understand that in real life this isn't how like trauma works, but your dad handed you a gun, a loaded gun to help you pull him up when you're a scrawny teenager who's clearly weaker and your dad's protecting you through that Your dad is huge, and then you accidentally shoot your dad. Oh, like, <laughs> I don't know what your dad was expecting to have happen. Like <laughs> Yeah, you know, also, he, he, he wasn't long for this world going also, around like that. Can I just say, this short up to this point is silent, and then all of a sudden they start talking. And I go, what the heck? Like, this is a talking short? What is going on here? And not only is it, the thing is, once they start talking, it's not like Dad's like, 
put the safety on. He doesn't say, like, the obvious thing to say. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. or careful, well, yeah, the I, gun is loaded. He doesn't say that. Yeah, he I just, had to think about that. Like, why, like, how, yeah, like, how do those guns work? You well, know, okay, even, there might not be, I don't know how it works in the Old West. Maybe safeties don't exist. I don't know, but you know what does exist? Careful, son. The gun is loaded. <laughs> 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 yeah and you know um, what you can still have if even that's there and then he shoots his dad I'm not gonna laugh as much at it because at least then I'm gonna be primed for the possibility so when it happens I'm just gonna go like Ugh, or whatever you know I'm not gonna like laugh at like oh okay this is one of those like misery things where it's like what's the most miserable thing we can come up with for this cowboy oh what if he like shoots his dad and is covered in his dad's blood when he's trying to save his dad from falling off a cliff yeah yeah uh it's this is a mess and also like i wonder what happened to the people who were like chasing after them it feels like you know obviously I don't know, that's... 40, we got 40 years later so yeah i'd always assume like, this was the, a short the, about the time horses? travel what i'd always had assumed this short was about time travel because it's like the posters have clocks all over them i'm like oh cool this is gonna be like a time travel short no well it's because he's borrowing time from his dad who sacrificed oh, you mean like, himself. To I think give about his the line time. from Barbie, where mm-hmm. the line that always makes me cry, where it's like, Woman st- mother stand still so their children can see how far they've come, or something like that. And is that not the point of like parenthood? You cannot say you're living on borrowed time from your parents, because your parents, people choose to have children so they live beyond them. So the whole idea of it's like, I'm living on borrowed time from my father is something I immediately can't buy into. Because like, no, you're his son. He gave his life to give you a better life. But he's like, no, I killed my dad. Your dad handed you a loaded gun! Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's, he can't go back. He's like, my dad, <laughs> every he goes back to the town, everyone's like, yeah, your dad was kind of dumb. <laughs> Oh, well. And it's also, again, it's like, he's clearly aged, like, 30 or 40 years when he's doing this. I'm just like, what? Mm-hmm. Tell me in 30 and 40 years, this is this is somehow coming back to you. Like, maybe this short work, uh, here's, here's where Danny tries to rewrite the script, which I know is poor criticism. But it's like, maybe this script is about his wife is pregnant with their own kid or something like that. Or his own kid is now the age he was when his father died. And maybe we can get some catharsis out of that. But no, this short is so concerned with being edgy and being adult, being like an adult Pixar thing, that it forgets that the reason Pixar works and stories work in general is that we gain emotional attachment to characters in a way that we can like feel connected to them. And maybe we can learn something. Because that's always what I say. is like, you can give me the darkest shit possible... But if it has, like, an ending where I feel like people have learned something or, like, it's a happy ending or, like, even if it's something like The Dark Knight where, like, Gary Oldman gives a speech where it's, like, Batman's still going to protect us. I'm going to still feel fulfilled at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Right? The night is darkest before the dawn. <laughs> all that all that stuff, Christopher Nolan, from yeah. however many years ago. Isn't that, like, movie, like, just 15 now? Just turned 15? Uh Oh, I, I don't know. It's But anyway... You know. But yeah, I mean, I don't, 
Yeah, and and I think too it's weird that at the end of the short he just breaks down crying. That's really the thing that like sealed the deal for me is that it has such it has such a student film thing where it's like, oh man, if he cries then that is like the end of the short. I wish I think that is one of the most important things that you can go back and tell your like film school self is that emotions are not plot and you have to have a good plot you can't you I, I make this joke i think it's a joke that only i appreciate about magic mike 2 which begins with him frowning and and then the ending is the same shot but it's sunny and he's smiling and that that's a character I don't... arc that's a character arc mike starts the movie depressed and happy and throughout the whole film we like mike more and more because we see his relationships with other people we see you know all that and this is not to say you can't make a film about someone who wants to commit suicide who is lonely mm-hmm. but i do think to just end with him crying alone is like what was resolved here like he yeah. saw the, the 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 watch his dad gave him as a child and is now like oh, well, now I can live my life because I found a watch. No, it it doesn't feel like an ending at all. This is why I'm like, put a kid in here, have the ending be like, runs up to him and goes, maybe open the short with like him leaving home. Kid's like, dad, dad, don't go. He leaves. End short, he sees the watch. His son runs up, picks up the watch, hands it to dad, and then dad starts crying. He doesn't need to almost fall off the cliff. (laughs) The son can just run up, Find the watch. Try to convince Dad to, him to stop. And again, here's the other thing. I don't know why they start talking. There's no, like, they, that's the whole thing, too. Like, this short would have worked fine silent. It would have been better silent because, again, once they start talking, I'm like, why aren't they, like, talking to each other about the important stuff here? Like, like the gun could go off. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think, too, that, um, like, oh, man, I just, my brain, I totally forgot where my train of thought was going. But... Yes, I agree with you. Oh, 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 okay. This is what I wanted to say. I think that, you know, there's an interesting exercise in this for me. I'm, I'm putting on my, like, Roger Corman hat, and I'm like, can you rewrite this short without adding another character that would be super hard to animate? Can you do it, like, can you, can you know, can you, like, change this and still save money? I think that's an interesting question, because I do think that that is, you know a likely culprit now I don't want to get theoretical about the behind the scenes stuff but you know just like you know why why do you have only two people why does this guy just cry you know and it's think, like well people are really a pain in the ass to animate so you I don't think, want to go too crazy with it I mean the whole idea about it being about su- suicidal ideation when it's clearly set 30 or 40 years after this incident it's something I find so hard to buy into once I figure out why it all happened. Because I'm like, it's been 30 years or whatever, and it's okay not to process things. People <laughs> like, don't process it. I'm not, I'm not judging people who don't process things. My thing is, it's like, clearly he has lived a life that has not gone right since then. And we see none of it. That's because so, he hasn't shaved. You can really tell. And he suddenly is he's wrinkly, too. That's yeah. the thing, too, Mark. Is like you say, like we, we can't add a character model. We have three character models in this short already, so maybe we find a way to cut one of the character models. 
Or, like, maybe make it so, like, Dad died, like, three months ago and something like that. Where, like, the guilt being fresh makes sense. <laughs> like, Well, uh, yeah, and I just, I, feel, I just feel like it, he needs to die at the end, you know? Like, he just, there needs to be some material change. I think, I don't mind him not dying at the end, because then it's just like, okay, well, this is a story about someone explaining why they're committing suicide, and then they do it. Which doesn't feel that satisfying, but I think the answer they have currently of, like, he discovers the watch and realizes his dad cared about him more than would want him to survive and rather than die is like, okay, but it looks like you wasted your whole life already. Like, you know, like you look like you're old now and like, I don't oh, know. Oh. I, you know what you could do and it would be a little bit more expensive? Set the, oh, oh, but you need to reuse the location too. So I was going to say you could like set it, you could set this whole thing in a house and have him, like, about to shoot himself in the head, and then he hears, like, the voice of his children being like, Daddy, come out to play! He's like, oh, well, I guess I won't kill myself today. But even then, you, you kind of have to reuse the cliff location. It's kind of, it's fun to think about this. Like, how would you, like, what can you do in these settings and save me? I think, Mark, and this is not answering your question, I think the answer would be we go to the story level of breaking this thing, realize we need that a third, we need another character in there, and we we go like, well, maybe these character models don't need to be hyper detailed, so then we can actually tell the story we need to tell. Maybe I, I mean that's 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 their deal, you know. These guys are both character animators. Well, maybe they should have found a story that serviced their characters, rather than try to make the edgiest thing possible. Be like, look, we can put blood on our characters. We can have them accidentally kill each other. They can kill themselves. <laughs> it's like, okay, great. I'm glad we reached the point where the cartoons can kill themselves. Um, and that sounds Finally. a little like dismissive of adult animation, probably. But my thing is with like good adult animation is, and I'm talking about like stuff like BoJack Horseman or Anomalisa is like they generally like have a idea behind them that isn't just like. I think there's no idea behind this, personally. Yeah. I think it's just, what can we do that could be edgy and show that this isn't from Pixar and prove our worth as animators on our own, not needing to be in the Pixar studio system, um, while neglecting the idea of, like, why should I care? Right? Yeah. That's where I come back to. There's no reason to care about this character because we're told... It's kind of like, also, you know what... Um, the famous, like, Finding Nemo problem with Andrew Stanton. Like, he, who, you know, um, movie wasn't working because we had a flashback at the end where Marlon revealed Marlon lost his kids. We put that flashback at the beginning of the movie. Does this short work better if it's told in order? Probably. I stick by that jumping ahead 30 years with this older character model makes no sense. But if you tell the story in order and just say, like, a year or so, like, maybe you put up a telecar, like, two or three years later... And instead of using your character model on an old version, you give him a wife. Mm -hmm. Short works better. Yeah. Uh, hmm. I mean, I don't know. We could we could brainstorm in for like another hour about this. I don't even. Mean, I'm not yeah. trying to find the perfect answer. I'm just trying to point out that there's no. Yeah, yeah. In no, this, I, in this I, whole I thing, it's like the whole thing is like. Even if I buy into this whole story. And the ending of him seeing the watch and like, oh, I have a reason to live. I see this old man, or old shell of himself, and I'm like, no, you don't. 
Like, I'm sorry to be blunt. It's like, you've wasted your life at this point. You seemingly have no family to live for. So it's like, and you have this big regret, and it's like, oh, I have a reason to live. No, you don't. <laughs> like, I, I'm just confused what the what the watch does to give him that reason, other than oh, my dad once loved me 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, I don't have a whole lot more to say. <laughs> it looks it looks cool. Um, it does, yeah, but you know just, what looks better? I prefer the stylization of Sanjay Super Team. Yeah. Well, yeah, because because well, because you do have some kind of emotional. That's why I like the realistic location of Sanjay's well, Super Team. Like, man, these guys don't have a lot of money. I feel and like Sanjay's think, Super yeah. Team has an emotional connection attempted that I don't personally get to until I see the photos at the end, which is like that's a bummer. I wish this short connected with me more. But it tried, is the thing to me. It's like, it tried. It works as a functional piece of drama, even if I didn't cry at the end of it. This is like, this isn't functional at all. This is like clearly something that on the script level does not work. Mm-hmm. And I'm so curious, like, this is like a 3.8 on Letterboxd. It's clearly like a very well-regarded short, but I'm like, what is to like about it other than the animation? I'm just what so pe- confused. What do people say? You've got Letterboxd. Well, my favorite one from my top review from my friends, Mary Conti says, The honey, where's my super suit in The Incredibles is infinitely more mature than this. And I agree, Mary. You're right. Um, but no, no one has, like, a big, long review where they're like, when when I shot my all right. dad. This all right. Is William, William Leo Vander Zandim goes, three and a half stars. This is the third most liked review on Letterboxd. The top two ones are like, one of them's a joke, the other one's a positive one that's like a sentence long. Imagine if they started making serious films like Anomaly, so okay, okay, Jordan, shut, shut up. Uh, <laughs> Alright, Willem says, Wow, Pixar going adult. Just some honest opinions on this. The way in which the forgiveness theme is presented is nearly perfect. It really pushes the heartstrings like any Pixar film or short would, but has a bit of edge to it, nice bit of edge to it. Very precisely edited design of the character is great. Music is melancholic you'd expect from Santo Lala, who I know is like a composer that's well regarded in other regards, but I didn't look at his credits. Um, the whole look of it is gorgeous. The one question of it is, I, I kind of like this, three and a half stars. One question of it is, why animation? I'm totally, true, I'm totally behind the idea of pushing the boundaries of animation to the realm of adult, making all animation more mainstream. But seeing this animation on its own, it's a little unnecessary. Animation is a tool to make things that are real that aren't, done so easily in real life even with anomalisa a story that could be easily done for people the animation has a purpose here it's just they study animation not live action and thus they only make this film that way but nonetheless mm-hmm. a very different thing i want either this or piper to win it being the short film animation category in the oscars next year none of the two get in i'll be screaming wow ancient letterboxd review but yeah. yeah i mean i don't know i i think that's that's something about like all of these dark films with like gritty characters or about like redemption or forgiveness or something like that and i think i'm a little bit sick of i'm just like just fucking shave man like what is grief if not love persevering truly uh or you know whatever i don't know but i i think that like i don't know i just don't see i feel like obviously you know you there is this element of forgiveness but i also think that like with with something that's like complicated like PTSD there's not really 
it's not just about like forgiving yourself you know it's not like and and these memories and the like these regrets that you have like there's more to it than just forgiving yourself like i think it'd be pretty silly if even though we've talked about like bruh your dad gave you a loaded gun this was on him it'd be pretty silly if in the short he came to that realization he was like you know what this wasn't well you know what might have worked you know what might have worked if a certain thing that we might talk about more next week was element here where's ghost dad we could have had ghost dad oh yes ghost dad is the reuse character model solution (laughs) to this everyone listening to next week is gonna hear me coin the term ghost dad and be like very excited about it i'm (laughs) glad i can already use it this week before that episode comes out is ghost dad popping up with fix this short fantastic um um I wanted to talk about one other thing before because it was a detour. I well, not a detour, a tangent. I was I mentioned last week. I'm like, oh, I'll start bringing this up next week, and I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is Nick Patera, who I believe voices the son in this, even though none of the voices have actual like credits assigned to them. Um, Nick Patera is someone we could have done a detour episode on, but I chose against it because I feel like doing a detour episode on a person is kind of weird. Uh, Nick Patera is a Pixar animator who's you know worked in there for like. I don't even know since when, but he's been there for a long time. Um, he's still there. But mm. he became a viral sensation in 2011 where he posted on YouTube a one-minute, uh, a one-man uh, Disney... Uh, sorry, sorry. His first one is A Whole New World where he does Aladdin and then he does Jasmine. And he hits all the Jasmine so perfectly with a perfect falsetto. Um, and he was kind of a bit of a phenomenon. And he's still he's still like a very successful recording artist in addition to recording at Pixar. Um, but he does mostly like Disney covers or like musical theater covers because he has like a really good falsetto. But he can also do like the Aladdin Park perfect too. Yeah, I kind of you know you say you don't want to do a detour on him. I didn't know who this person was until last night when you were like, oh, we get to talk about Nick Patera, and I, I looked him up and I was like, who is this? And I. I am blown away by him. I know I'm late to the party. Well, we can, we can add him maybe, into like maybe our... If, we have a list at the end of the document of stuff we can go back to. We can put him on there if we want to. If he has like a cover album or something, it might be worth bringing somebody on and, and listening to it. Well, let's check yes, Spotify really quick. I can't really quick. believe this. Oh, I want to check it on air. Let's check it after the episode. I already um, searched Nick Patera. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, we don't... Okay, now I'm just... I don't know. Nick Patera's really interesting. His singing of Jasmine's parts is just He has wild. a Christmas album. Yeah, it does In have 2017. That's his mm. only album. Everything else is singles. Uh-huh. It's crazy how much of, like, a Disney child he is. Like... Yeah, well, he works at Pixar. Living the dream. <laughs> yeah. But, well, but just, I don't know, like... It, it does it does go back to you know you see these uh like the voice people they get are really from everywhere but then you get people who are come on as actual animators and they're like oh i love the old disney movies and all that kind of thing and it's just it's just kind of surprising but i guess other people go to cartoon network or somewhere like that um do we have anything else that we need to talk about this episode no i don't okay. think so other than giving the movie stuff all right, we got to give the movie something. Um, 
a lot of shows like to give films things like stars or thumbs, but here at Looking for the Ocean, we just like to give the film something like an object or a present that represents how we feel about it. Um, I I want to give this film something that is not, you know, n- kind of unusual for what I normally give movies. Um, and I guess I'm just going to give it to them both at once. I'm going to give Sanjay's Super Team a high five. And then for borrowed time, because I guess it is like about being old and full of regrets. Um, I don't know. I didn't like didn't like borrowed time, but it reminded me of something, a line from a show, a play that I saw maybe a few months ago that was about like these people getting old and everything like that. And this was an excellent show. It was called Crumb. It was directed by a friend of mine. Um... And there's a line in the show where the old woman uh, who's kind of got dementia or something is, is she has a very hard life and she has this line that maybe it's a cliche or whatever, but it stuck with me when she said it. But it was like, when you're young, you think that you don't want to live past 50. And when the time comes, you're just, you're going to live fast and die young. Um, But then... Isn't that like Benjamin Button's about... Uh, I mean, maybe, but, but then she says, but then, but then you get to, then you get to that age and suddenly you don't want to die. And I'm really butchering it. Like it's much more poetic, but there's something about the way that that play explored, like getting old that I wish was more a part of borrowed time. So I'm going to give it a performance of. Uh, the play Crumbs of Joy. I'm going to give Sanjay Super Team a, um, I don't know. Maybe I can give it a screening at work, but that's not something I can actually promise. So maybe I'll just give Sanjay Super Team, like, I don't know. I really don't know. That's hard. Um, that one's hard. Maybe I'll give it, like, Sanjay Super Villain. A sequel. I don't know. It's, this is hard I, to give. It's hard to give Sanjay Super Team something. Maybe I'll give it like Happy Meal toys. Yeah, let's give Happy seems, Meal toys. It's well. Let's give Sanjay some Happy Meal, Meal toys, toys of like Vishnu and everybody. <laughs> um, I don't know. It seems like perfect screen at work material. Yeah. Um, but for borrowed time, I'm gonna give it a live action remake so it can win the Oscar this time because it's clearly dark enough and depressing with no real intellectual or emotional capabilities. Um, that would mm-hmm. clearly win that category. So. Yeah. Um, all right. All right. What do we do next time? Well, we're doing the good dinosaur. We have a very cool guest, Dylan Kreit from TikTok. Um, we will. We've already recorded that episode, so I don't know. Why I'm acting like, ooh, I don't know what's gonna happen because I do, and I know it's a good one. So come back for the good dino. That is a really good one. Di- Daniel was a. Uh, what the fuck? Dylan. Dylan was a. I'm da- I'm Dylan was a. Dylan That's was me. a great guest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, bye. What? Mark, we have to do what? the sign out. Oh, that's right. A, okay, Looking for the Ocean is produced by Mark Young and Danny Vincent. The show is edited by Julius Jefferson. Our original artwork was by Sarah Knopf. You can follow us on social media, Facebook at Looking for the Ocean, Instagram at Looking for the Ocean Pod, Twitter at Pixar Journey, and on our website, Looking for the Ocean, Pixar.podbean.com.
Um, if I think I got this wrong in my Good Dinosaur episode because I thought that it was coming out first and then I forgot we recorded out of order. So if you're listening to this, this is really the one that's coming out next week. Thank you to everyone to, who came to the show, Mr. Marmalade. Sorry that it sold out before, like the entire run sold out before the first show. We're all very happy and also like we wish that more people could have seen it, but also like super grateful. Um, I'm going to have... So I'm gonna have something coming up, uh, either like either the day this comes out or very soon. I've got a post on social media about which one of those things is happening first. So I don't want to like commit to that here. But yeah, keep an eye out. And I'm also I think I'm gonna like set up. Uh, I think by the time this comes out, I'm gonna set up like a mailing list just because I found out during the run of this play that some people like weren't on social media but wanted to know about the show. So I'm gonna set up something like super chill. Uh, so maybe check that out. I don't care how many people sign up for that. I'm just going to put it on my website and then you can go there if you want to be on the mailing list. You can follow me, Danny, at Blayman's Letterbox, and listen to my other podcast, The Snub Club, where we talk about the movies with the most Oscar nominations and no wins. Wahoo! All right. Bye. Bye.